black ball. Black 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 ball. Black 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 ball. Black 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 ball. Black 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 ball. Black 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 ball. up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed and that man playing the violin wearing a pair of shorts that we're honestly going to have to talk about when he gets on air a little bit <laughs> it's like larry bird styles i'm pretty sure um is a virtuoso musician uh, i've said it a million times the last couple of days he is referred to uh, by many people and i think i actually made this up so maybe it was me 20 years ago, uh, the Jimi Hendrix of the violin. I don't even know, even know if he likes that or not, but that's the way I look at it. Um, he is Eugene Draw, a.k.a. Dr. Draw. Eugene. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing those exact shorts right now, actually. <laughs> I'm like, I have like two pair of shorts that fit me in it. Those are the ones. But do you know why I mock them? Why? why? What's, what's, because what's you can wear anything and people will be like, I don't give a fuck what he's wearing. That guy's yeah. dope. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I'm not just uh, yeah. It's listen, nice. um, 
I'm going to tell a quick story about how uh, I met you because I think it's like it, it, it is um, quintessential Eugene. I was sitting. I, I'm going to get the bar wrong. I thought it was the horseshoe, but I could be confusing it for something else. But I was I was sitting at a bar and I was with the pocket dwellers. And I was with like all of them, I think. Um, and the Pocket Dwellers, for those who don't know, is like an acid jazz hip hop fusion band. And there's like eight of them. Um, horns and drums and a DJ and a rapper and blah, blah. And I grew up with the rapper and the DJ. I grew up with Nigel and Sheldon. And we're sitting there and Nigel wasn't there. And it was like most of the rest of the Pocket Dwellers and me sitting on some patio in Toronto. And all of a sudden, uh, I think it was Marco comes up and is like, Nigel is battling some guy right now to a guy playing a violin. And literally, we all just like jumped over the fucking the patio fence or whatever and ran down the street and watched this kid. This And you were a kid. You were 17, I think, or 18, yeah, like 18 in the year yeah, 2000. Yeah. One of those. And, and you were just like, you're playing like four on the floor kind of head naughty shit, but it was just you. Um, plucking and, and playing and all that. And Nigel was rhyming. And the other guy was Jay Russell, um, who used to be a dancer at the National Ballet. He was also uh, a rapper. And now he lives in um, South Dakota. And he, I think he studies numerology or something. Um, and, uh, you know, good guy. Minus four. But I met... What's that? It's an interesting... Oh, no, do, you remember, do you know those guys have been waiting for um, uh, JFK Jr. to come back? Is it like yeah. minus 48 oh, or something? That? No, he's not is doing he... that. I'm just saying oh, numerology okay. is just coming back. <laughs> I know, I know. That's like sometimes I he, he posts things sometimes him... and I feel like messaging him oh, and being like, are you okay, Jay? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's fine. You know, a lot of people are doing, anyway, sorry. I've just, I've just been oh, that's reading okay. about no, it no, all day it's, today. It's totally fine. So you were there and they were rapping or whatever. And then um, Nigel probably won the battle because um, Jay, to be honest, used to squish too many syllables in his sentences. But um, in any event, there you were. I got your business card um, because every 17-year-old busker has business cards, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And, um, and we were throwing raves and stuff like that, and we just, I just wanted to hang out with you. You would busk, and I would be like, I'm going to be the hangers-on for, for, for Dr. Drop. But then I would have you play at our events. Uh, you played beside Armin Van Buren, I believe, at yeah, one of my like events. Tiesto. It was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Arcadea. Do you remember or the Finnish DJ? Yeah, the Finnish That's DJ. Right. A really nice kid. He he was like pianist at heart that did this like beautiful keyboard and a CD. Had a, a vocal introduction when he read a bit of poetry and like yeah. one of those. It was really nice. Soft yeah. kid. He really knew so, how to move the crowd with his poetry at a rave. Really <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back then you could do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, no, but, but I remember when you, you were playing and you used to play like strategic places. I don't know how you did. We'll get to that in a second. Like how you scheduled where you would play. Like you were like in Yorkville or like Dundas Square or Queen West or whatever. And mm. you used to always like, and you, and you did well. And everyone loved you. People would gather around and be like, I've never quite seen a young man play a violin like this. Young man. <laughs> yeah. Great. And I don't know if I thought of it, but I'm going to take credit because the, like the second time we were hanging out, I was like, listen, I throw raves and I think I want to hear you play that violin next to electronic music. I, I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you had done that at the time because you were so young and I totally want to take credit for that. Um, but, you know, either way you did. And having you at the club was so special because the main stage was on that side of the club. I remember one time, I think it was at the docks. Yeah. You, we, we put you on the other side. Yeah. So everyone is facing, I thought it was Armin Van Buren, but it could have been Orchidea. Everyone was facing the DJ 
And I planted people into the crowd to just turn around when you started playing. Because at yeah. first, people didn't know where it was coming from. And they, and they turned around, so I got my guys to turn around. And then it was like, it just, it was like a, it just caught like wildfire. All of a sudden, people were like, hey, look at that. And like thousands of people just turned to watch exactly. you just like fucking playing your violin like a uh, man possessed. And you brought the goddamn house down, man. Like, and, and, and you, you basically have brought the house down almost or probably every time you played the violin. Um, how did you, are you self-taught? Are you one of those cats that like took a few lessons and was like, I got it. <laughs> and well, then just did your own thing. Like, how did that work? At that point, yeah, that point was more, more about energy and then how like I had the energy and the motivation to go out there and no fear, almost absolutely no fear. So I just go and perform. And I still think to myself, like, how did I do it? I don't know. It was weird because with trance music, it was easy because trance is very melodic. And yeah, but it's like yeah. house is house. You also have to groove. With trance, because it's sexier do, than trance. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's like, but it's, it's such a different animal. Like with trance, you could just do long lines and you can go crazy. And a lot of things worked as long as you're in the key and, or relative, mm. some, somewhere there. Um, but back then, like my strength was not technicality, but was mostly energy. I was able to just get into this trance and just com go com completely berserk. And it always worked. Even if it did, yeah. it always so somewhat did. It was like this, that later on when I became. Um, older like it's gotten older it was start things become a little more complicated so you have to like figure things out like what am i actually doing like what am i actually doing is this like most of it is intuitive now i have to figure out there's got to be some sort of method to this madness and that's what a point i am at right now but there were lessons earlier on and lessons in the middle and now i feel like i'm back to studying trying to understand mm -hmm. it on a more an academic level what what's going on um and and to be honest like you can do anything like you can do anything anything would work with different crowd um yeah. like and then so recently like i did uh i did an event i've pretty much uh, recently i i haven't had a bad show in a long time to be honest like everything's been knock on wood it's been everything whatever i touch works out it's because i pay a lot of attention to detail figure things out practice enough to make sure that every gig it's tight. There's a lot of preparation. More preparation goes into gigs now than before. Before, I was just like, you know what? If I'm energetic and crazy enough, it'll work out. Now I'm just like, I can't jump on the stage as much as I used to before. I can't get like, I have to pay attention to, to detail. I have to work on the technical side. Anyways, um, and then yesterday, like I was If doing you wear baggier shorts, it might be easier on your knees, Eugene. Just Man, my knees have been getting effed up, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You used to pop lock while you played, right? I, I do that sometimes, but now as a 40-year-old pop locking style, it's just like, it looks so freaking cool. I did it at a club there so like funny. a little while ago, and my friend is like, just don't do that. Like, just stop whatever the hell you're doing right now. Just no more. You're done. Like, what's next? And I'm like, Lib come on. River I'm just trying to do this yeah. thing. Like, yeah, I just don't stop this shit. Oh man, that's so funny. Um, but uh, uh, so is that a songwriting thing that you're talking about? Like you're now more, you know, because I remember, uh, I remember telling you even back in the day that it was like, are you freestyling when you play? Yeah. Like, are you, you know, like, and and you were, I think. Um, yeah, most of the time. And and yeah, and and it was always dope. And then you, and then, but I noticed the change in you when Ava Maria came out when you did the opera stuff. Oh no, no, that like, was that, that, that was simple. There's still like. The improvisational stuff still continued. Like, it, it is still my strength. 
to be honest. Mm-hmm. And you need like you need a, a, a ticket to um, basically to get to something of a different level. I had to have a CD. I had to have like basically like some sort of calling card. Like okay, I have like a body of work. Um, an album is such, it's a very, very monumental for any artist is to have an album because it's like that means you you've got enough focus and enough energy <laughs> to actually sit down and get something from A to Z finished. You know what I mean? And, and now is like, it still like that? Is it like that for you? Like, because that's almost a throwback approach now because of streaming, right? Yeah, but but to be honest, like I'm I'm so detached from everything in a sense, strength. Um, because yeah. I rather focus on the artistic side than sit there and and try to get on. Your girlfriend play. must love that. Like, well, he's really detached. It's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but getting home playlists. It was just like everyone's sitting there, and I, I I wish I had the patience for it or a team to do it. Like now, I'm more independent than ever. Um, but I yeah. figured like uh, my my secret to everything was put out as much music as you possibly can, work with really talented people, and eventually it pays off. <laughs> and it's like, and it does, it really does. Um, like, yeah, that thing. You're so versatile. Okay, so this is you wearing wearing leopard print suit jacket. Standing next yeah. to Fat Joe. If you ask Fat Joe a week before that event, uh, Fat Joe, do you, do you ever picture yourself in an ad with a violinist wearing a leopard print double-breasted suit? I don't think he would be like, oh, yeah, totally. Why did they choose that photo? Out of, I, need new, I need new photos. Because like, like, that's like one of my least favorite photos like, out of everything. <laughs> like my freaking pudgy-ass face. And like... And it's just you like, look like yeah. You just you look like um. I honey, I don't think I want to leave you alone with this man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like I, I should be in Romania somewhere, back home, doing horrible things. Um, but it's like funny. <laughs> do, you, do you write music? Like, do you, can yeah. you write music? You can't. Yeah, okay. I can. I can. Um, with with like now, I actually have to more so we'll go into it because it's like, um, it's it's an art form in itself, but it's also very not very difficult i mean you can you can like teach an elephant how to write music but it's hard to come up with melodies i find melody writing is is the most difficult thing to do and sometimes for some reason i thought i thought for some reason and this is my bad um i i thought um probably because i always compared you to Jimi hendrix to my friends that i thought because he couldn't read music so i thought that maybe you were just like one of those virtuoso kind of like i just you know like in goodwill hunting yeah when he was like you know how mozart just sat down and knew how to play well when it comes um, to math which is i just know how to play you know like well, well no but it's, it's different like it's it's not like no knowledge of if it's good to have it in your back pocket but it's not necessarily it's so easy to read music like ridiculously easy to read music uh i don't think like anybody can do it um but i don't have to do it every day or write it every day like it's it's something that comes in useful once in a while but the only reason i i know how to read music is because my parents put me into piano when i was really really young um that's and right then, yeah yeah so it's like so that's like i recommend every kid to to be scarred by piano lessons at some point um <laughs> did you get like smacked with a ruler if you i wish you know? i wish i think my dad was really terrifying that no teachers would do that um okay like and the thing is that like as a kid i showed no talent other than in dancing so in dancing i showed a bit of talent and then so i had no talent in anything else and I was lazy and unfocused and spoiled, so it's like so. Whenever I'm so surprised uh, at that, well, they would put my parents would put me into different things, and and the teachers would not want to teach me because like this kid's got no talent. He's got absolutely no desire to do anything, 
And it's only when we ended up in Israel that the circumstance and uh, the motivation was like, I saw my teacher shyly, like my violin teacher, he was like my first teacher, I think it was like 10 years old. Um, he had so much pride that as a busker, everybody needed to earn money and everyone was really poor going through immigration through Israel. He would choose mm-hmm. the most um, less traveled corner in Tel Aviv. Like oh, really? nobody would go and just quietly like like in, inconspicuously like play his viola there and like kind of corner and then like as if he's ashamed of doing so. But he like but his like m- wife, I guess, would be like, get out, make some, earn some money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I met you on the street, it wasn't because you were just there busking because, no, I live here now because yeah, I'm exactly. not disciplined. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if, but I'm realistic. Like, I'm like, you know what? I can literally go on the street and I, I and just play like I was like, I don't know what happened. I don't think it was it was a conscious decision. I literally like our our building was on Emil Zola, which is a little street behind a Dezengov. And Dezengov is like one of the major intersections in Tel Aviv. It's like the street. It's like Young Street of Toronto yeah. kind of thing. And they used to, sh- uh, on the Shabbat, they used to close it off so kids can play on, in, in traffic. With no traffic, <laughs> kids can play. Yeah, the- so kids can play in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> I got to learn somehow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, and it was just become like this uh, widely used pedestrian uh, street at, like on, on, on Saturday. So I just literally had to cop, like hop across two fences and I would be right there. And I had my violin and I started playing and then a lot of kids on uh, – and I would just practice. And my sign would say, I'm making money right now to, to pay for my lessons, which I did. And mm. also just to continue education. And, and I would just go through my usual material of, of exercises and scales and, and then like just get really into it. And then yeah. uh, there's a lot of like street gangs that were starting to pop up at that point. A lot of other kids going through immigration who weren't like as lucky to have violin lessons or anything. So they were they were selling flowers on the street and they kind of got really pissed off. So I, hi- yeah. I had to hire security. So I had some of my homies at that time come in and make secure, like be my security. Like it's cool. <laughs> Your homies. Weren't you like 15 at the time? Uh, 10. <laughs> 10. <laughs> 10. <laughs> This is my security. Hi. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, were, they were a little <laughs> older. But then but then but then like we started getting all the kids involved. Um after they got used to me, like I used to take them out for burgers and whatnot. Mm. So it was like it became a harmonious experience. And now it's the hardest thing about leaving Israel because I got so attached to the street. I hated school. I hated everything else that had to do with life living there other than going to the beach and playing on the street. Yeah, and, you, and I, you were destined to do this shit though like it was like you could i remember you showing me the the toronto star article that came out i think you were like 16 or something like that when it came out um, about 14. the kid that was yeah, like 14 yeah about the kid that would busk on in in toronto and you did that for for years like that yeah. is like that was your like your rehearsal space in a sense right and Absolutely. um and and people would always crowd around i remember one time i don't know if you remember this but like um we had you uh, at, uh, I think it was the docks or the government or something. And then, I don't know if you remember, but I lived uh, in the neighborhood on Maitland with Nick and Adam. Yeah, right across the, the street from my, my high school. Yes, that's right. That's I was right. at Jarvis Collegiate, so it was like right there. And we're all cracked out. I don't know if you were, so I'm not going to like um, out <laughs> you as some sort of drug user. But I know that I was certainly on a copious amount of ecstasy. Nice. And I was still ready to like, you know hear you play and stuff so we'd go out on the balcony and it was like fuck i don't know man it was like 5 30 in the morning you know the sun was just coming up and i was like do it do it do it yeah. <laughs> and you would like 
But because we had this condo and the condo right beside it was like the twin condo. Yeah. And you played something and it was nice. And it was like, you, you played for like three minutes or something. It wasn't like crazy like this. It was beautiful. It was like a piece or something. And one by one, people started opening their drapes or coming out on the balcony. This is 530 in the morning. And there was like 25 people, which is a lot for 530 in the morning. Yeah. And when you were done, you got this like round of applause and someone said encore and some other guy said, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> and everyone ignored yeah. that guy because it was so dope. It was like it, you have this like interesting pixie dust about you and, and a confidence like, you know, that you like, you know, you're dope. Um, and I'm and, and the, the difference between you now and back then, um, even though I haven't seen you in a while or whatever, it, it feels like what you just said, like you're more polished and refined now. Like you can still be the madman on the violin, but, you know, you probably felt like, did you feel like you were you, you needed to like be more dimensional? Is that sort of the idea? Like, well, I think to be honest, like what what really destroyed uh, my confidence as as an energetic performer and i didn't destroy like didn't destroy it but had to change my focus was going in the studio for the first time yes like going to like a studio to record like not the first time my second album where i was surrounded with like session musicians and then session session musicians are all like they're really good like everyone's like and i'm like and I'm a performer. I'm not an artist. I'm not like I'm not. An I'm not a musician. Like I'm not a like a studio. Like, like I, I was happy to hit the note like right every other third or fourth note. Like I was all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. But that made me feel very insecure for a while because I was surrounded with like studio people for a while, and and that's when I lost my focus for a bit because rappers I think go through that. I think do they like I I could see rappers that. go through this thing where they can spit on the corner. But when they get into the studio, they, they're like 70% of how dope they are when they're on the corner. Exactly. Um, that, that's it, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that happened to violinists, but rappers do it because they're not used to hearing themselves. And, and all of a sudden, they're not as confident. So it's really a confidence thing. Interesting. Uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was just like the first time when I was working with Morgan and everything, the environment was so supportive because I was like, I was the center of it. But then I started working with people that kind of knew what they were doing. And that made me yeah. lose my focus. And I found that that uh, like that arrogance and delusion that I had as a young young man was the the, the key uh, weapon. Like that's what got me through everything. Um, that's interesting. And it, and it was a really good like and it was a really good like I was a good face. It was an important face. I guess it's like um, I just watched that movie, Last Temptation of Christ. Have you seen the Last Temptation of Christ? Um. No, no, I'm it, surprised I haven't because I, I care so much about Jesus that, you know. <laughs> it's not like the Mel Gibson thing. This thing is pretty, it's a pretty dope movie. But it's yeah. like, but it, this movie is really crazy. I tried to watch it the first time. And I'm not comparing myself to like a freaking, like whatever, like Christian Messiah or anything. Um, but, oh, but it's, thank God, because <laughs> I don't believe in you. Then. <laughs> no, yeah. but, it's, but it's like, but it starts like with, with the very beginning in, of the movie. Like I watched it the first time and I couldn't get into it because... And then, like, I don't know, it just took its time. Like, I don't know, I wasn't really into it. And he wasn't very convincing. And then I gave it a chance. And it's beautiful because, like, here, like, uh, Jesus it has this character. He is, like, he is a kind of, like, this uh, the son of God, like, kind of a mythological, you know what I mean? Like, uh, some of the, and then, but he's not yet, like, polished as a speaker, as a presenter. He hasn't figured out. Well, his dad, 
his dad killed a lot of people, so it would be hard for him specifically to find but, confidence. But, 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 but here in the <laughs> yeah. in the very beginning, like I won't go into the details after watch, but it's like, but it's like, and at first I was like, oh, I wasn't into it, like it's blah blah blah. And like, but it's cool to see like the way that uh, that movie talks about like realization of what you have inside and knowing that you have some sort of power, whatever that yeah. power is. When it's raw, it also has an effect. Like it has That's an effect. Right. It br- brings people in. Then, then you go through, a bit through a, like a period of insecurity, be not understanding where you fit in this world, because you're like, okay, so you're not like a musician, you're not like you're a performer, like it's it's and you're in this like in between of everything, and then you have to figure out what where do you belong, like what are you this, are you that, like do, do you combine all those things, and that is where the hardest of the work comes from after that, because once you start maturing and you can't bounce off on the stage like like a maniac anymore then you have to have something that you can carry on artistically and technically um, right. without exerting as much energy and pull people in. And like, and then so the thing is, is that like falling into trance as a kid was my strength. Now I have to come back to that with what I have now. Yeah, so, that's true. Was it, where, where were you playing? Was it This Is London when they used to strap you to the ceiling? Oh, yeah, that was um, both This Is London and Money. Sometimes I used to wonder if you were ever strapped to the ceiling playing and being like, oh, I got to I got to stop dangling from ceilings. Okay. I still do this. Like some gigs I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm not, I'm so not exaggerating. Like there's like but then you know like, like like there are times when you're like, what am I doing here? Like I'm getting too old for this. But then you're like think to myself, I'm like, well, you know what? There's people working construction getting paid a quarter of what I'm getting paid to work all day. And I'm just yeah. like, and I should just enjoy. Yeah, you know what? You know, so it's like. I, so but I see. What, I know what you mean, though. I, I, I know. I know what you mean, though, because like, if you get bored with your art, not only does your art suffer, but but your mind and and your body and and your emotions suffer too. Like, yeah. Especially when you when you know that you're dope. I'm gonna play something. People are like, play a clip. I wasn't there for the clip. Like little fucking babies in the chat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The chat's right to the right. People. Yeah, like that's this. right. Don't let it distract I mean, you. They talk about fucking like baking and shit in there sometimes. But um, <laughs> I I don't even know what's on this clip because I just downloaded it now. But I'm pretty sure, even though it says some guy named Bill King filmed it, I'm either there or I filmed it for Bill because I remember this because this is in I my neighborhood in the beaches. King.
nice. Like, come on. Like, th- and and that's where a lot of me and my friends love to see you the most. Like, like you're close up. We're getting hit by your disgusting sweat, and we're loving every <laughs> second of it. You know what I mean? The, the story <laughs> behind amazing. that that concert actually, like, that was like the last Beaches Jazz we played, and um, it was uh, the hardest day because I overgigged in June. I think I played like 32 gigs in a month, and I was doing mm-hmm. the D Day celebration in. Um, oh my God, Jesus, Burgundy, and like and doing all this stuff, and then so yeah, so it was a little tough, it was a little crazy. Um, yeah. So I came back to Toronto and I did two back-to-back um, gigs, um, some weddings in Montreal. Came back with heavy pneumonia, and oh. and I couldn't get out of the beach fest because it's like I don't want to disappoint people. Everyone's gonna go there. Yeah. So for a week, I thought I was gonna die. So I was on so many pills i was popping whatever i could possibly pop just to get going through sweating like crazy those those uh salmon pants that i'm wearing there they're like drenched to look like i peed myself it was like it was so intense i was worried like i'm literally gonna die but i'm like i felt like very like like romantic i'm gonna die for my craft at toronto beaches jazz fest on the street i'm like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna pull up and then the craziest thing we do we do this saturday night um, uh, like, and I have chronic pneumonia it comes back all the time. Like, it's just like, it's, it's been mm. like as a busker, I think messing up my lungs uh, yeah. for the street was <laughs> like crazy. So, so anyways, um, so go into, um, because tourists are filthy, Eugene, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> oh man. Um, so what, what happened? <laughs> oh no, it's perfect. Mm. <laughs> Cheers, by the way. Uh, what the hell am I drinking oh, right me. now? There I'm drinking Red Bull. You're drinking oh, nice. fake cola. Oh, what is that? Is that like that fruity uh, mineral water shit? Yeah, it's it's got like um, 4.5 percent alcohol. Tropical Punch, Ace Hill. Cheers. Oh, Honestly, okay. uh, cheers. So, so what happened? I haven't is- seen you. I don't drink. I don't drink anymore. So I'm like, you know, which is crazy probably for you to imagine because literally every time I saw you, I was on some. I sort think of I think you've right? had enough. I think I think you've surpassed that. I think your brain is just like, I don't need this anymore. Like I'm, I'm happy. My You're brain happy. is actually like this. <laughs> <laughs> He's still. My brain still slurs just a little bit. Okay, sorry. Go on. Go on. But, but you look great. Oh no. Okay. So, so okay. what happens is that. So I do that beaches jazz fest. We finish up uh, on Saturday, last Saturday, and then Sunday, um, as an idiot that I am, Link, I'm gonna go do the last pedestrian Sunday at Kingston Market with with Scott Jackson, the beatboxer, uh. um, and and Jeff, my drummer, and I go do that event like dying too, still dying, and then that night, like <laughs> <And> beatboxing, uh, <laughs> you have yeah. pneumonia, and there's a guy beatbox, and I know <laughs> Scott, I, I, he's dope, but it's just like, you know, are you sure you didn't get it from him? <laughs> oh my god, like, like I'm. A, I'm yeah. Oh man, I, I I drive him crazy a lot of times. I'm I like like he let he lets me be who I am. Like all my mood swings, yeah. all the craziness, which is really nice. Oh, that's that's like what yeah. friendship's all about. But like, so we get through this other f- street fest, and then Shames, um, uh, who from from the community there, who organizes uh, Pedestrian Sunday, he's the funding yeah. member. He's also got that a French restaurant down uh, La Palette. And he's like, we're yep. closing the restaurant. We have to eat things that are still, they're going to go bad. So bring your friends and we're just going to clean, eat the fridge, eat through the fridge. So, and then I, I eat all this food, all this duck and whatnot. I love duck. And, and, and those delicious so French random. things. <laughs> yeah. Like, and drink. I'm in Kenji the market. I got pneumonia. So obviously I eat a mountain of duck. <laughs> yeah, like, That's the first thing, like, I, first thing I would think of. So I ate all this duck 
and then and then drank shit tons of vodka and all this wine, <laughs> and then I'm like a hundred percent well. And I'm yeah, but done. you're Russian. And I'm just like, what? Like, I'm like, what's going on here? I suffered. I tried not to drink specifically for like two weeks because I was dying. I'm like, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to be. And then I have all this vodka. I get trashed. And then I'm back to normal the next day. And I'm like, what a disappointment. I'm not disparaging your people, but there's something about the Russian blood where it's just like, if someone is sick, get that guy some vodka. I think, <laughs> I think we vodka. have like a reversed. Yeah, like uh, I think the health plans should be very different. Like, oh man, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Like, I, I really what's like that, what's in that site. What's in that saline solution in that uh, IV? Oh, don't worry, it's Eugene. It's thirty-eight percent vodka. Yeah, like, <laughs> put that shit up to forty. Bitch. Yeah, just like, we're we have a I, show. I we have Fat Joe waiting in the fucking lobby. <laughs> what are you doing? That was so funny. <laughs> Fat Joe showed up, like performed this set for like twenty minutes, up to half an hour, and like and left. Like, and oh, was he a dick a little bit? No, he's just like did his okay. thing. Okay. I guess you don't I, want to burn the bridge, but I, I got it. I, it's just like he just showed up and did his thing, and it was like it was so funny to see like someone who just does their thing, like you know what I mean. Like everyone has their thing that they do, and he's a rapper, and and like and he goes out and he performs, and it's very like he does it, and it's uh and and like because he's an icon, people would pay just to see him bounce around on stage and do his thing, and then that's like. And and I'm like, am I getting to that point eventually? Am I? I need some massive ass chain. I need chains. I'm missing chains. I need massive chains. <laughs> I need like a security guard that like that has no sense of humor that would stand there and just yeah. like look like. I need to get a little bit more of street personality. Like I think that's my ideal. Like I don't have to get more hip hop. Just more like like I want to intimidate okay. other violinists around go on stage like look at my rough people. I just. I just Hey, Ashlyn McIsaac, you better stay in the corner, motherfucker. Yeah, like just start the only random beef know, but, with like yeah. this classical, like James Ainus. Oh, Ainus, it was <laughs> Just like these <laughs> poor classical guys just be like, I'm going to fucking ruin you. <laughs> like, bring it on. Yeah. It's my oh my God. That'd be so like. <laughs> It'd be so fun. Um, we were, sorry, I don't know if Fat Joe. I don't know if you would call Fat. First of all, Fat Joe's dope. He's got like a good catalog and all that. Yeah. Icon level. Eh, no, I don't know about that. Like you know, but yeah, it's um, true. to some people. Um, and people that don't really like Icon level in hip hop is a very small club. Like, it's, it's true. It's you can be an old school pioneer, but that doesn't mean you're an icon. He's like in the middle. He's not old school like KRS. Was a little bit later. I love that. KRS. My God, so I love I. KRS. And KRS is an icon. Um, but but Fat Joe is a dope rapper who's had a great career, mm. but he's not an icon. And what bothers me about that story is that I don't even like it when actual icons do that. I'll tell you about KRS One. Like Jay Z would do that, and I'd be like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds like something a Jay Z would do, and I'm yeah. fine with Jay Z doing it for some reason, um, because his wife, she's fine. Um, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But I, I saw KRS-One play at this uh, uh, club in Hamilton called... Um, did you ever play Pepper Jacks? No, I haven't played Hamilton that much. I'm playing there on the 16th of July, but not... Okay. Anyways. Um, anyways, it's, it, the club doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Pepper Jacks. And um, I went to see KRS-One there, and uh, it was like 2005, maybe 2006. And I, I, I bought like, like five, six beers, and I went right to the front. You know what I mean? Because it it's a small yeah. club. And I was just like, I'm about to see one of my icons in a fucking small ass club. 
and it was dope and i drank all my beers and like 10 minutes before this the whole thing was over um and and i'm getting hit with krs1 sweat and i'm literally like ah, give me these sweat. yeah 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 it's krs1 yeah and, and then i left because i got i'm starting to get all strategic so i went to the back of pepper jacks and i'm just like looking trying to scope out i'm like okay there's the suv i went i hung out beside the suv and krs1 comes out and one of his security guys comes up in front of me he's like whoa whoa, whoa don't lean against the vehicle i'm like my bad he's like what are you doing here and i'm and i'm he's like you want an autograph or a picture and i'm like no no, no i don't want either of those things can i spit 16 bars for one of my rap heroes dude uh-huh. is that okay and he's like nah man no and krs one's like what what's what's that guy want and he's like he wants to spit some bars for you he's like well, let the white N-word spit some bars. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, he's like, you know, he said that. And I was just like, I can't even repeat what you just said, but I'll spit some bars. And and I was like, and I had, and I knew which verse I was going to spit. And it was just like, this is the dopest one I have. And I'm going to make references that he's going to be like, I can't believe this white kid knows. Anyways, I spit 16 bars. Then he spit 16 bars. And he's like, oh, do wow. you got 16 more? And we just fucking traded rhymes, me and KRS one for like 20 minutes. That's and amazing. I fucking left and I... I, I wept. I fucking left and I wept because I was just like, that's an icon. But that's an artist. That's a you real know? artist. That's not just yeah. somebody like, oh, man, what would be amazing to actually to work with him? We should do that. Like, is he, yeah. what's he doing? I think by now he'll work with anyone. <laughs> like, let's, bring, let's bring him here. Like, I, he's like, man, he would be incredible. Like, imagine like even just, oh, man. That's such a good I have idea. links. I know how to. I know how to get a hold of him. I, you know, I think. I think he would come. I mean, you got to pay someone like Karis one to to do it. But I mean, you know, you, you know what? It's just like do it. I, honestly, I could like. What do you call those things? Um, the Last Wish Fund was it? The, the, oh, uh, Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, Make a Wish Foundation. Oh, we'll pretend you're dying. <laughs> we'll just. Kid. You won't believe this, Karis one. Remember <laughs> that kid you visited last year? He's alive. It's good. It's fine now. Credit to you. Exactly. Yeah. Just super. Oh my That's god. So funny. <laughs> no. The... But um, yeah, you were working with a lot of rappers. Like I, I feel like you go in and out of hip hop. Like it's not Scott Jackson. You've had pretty consistent. He's probably the most consistent hip hop guy you work with. I think. Um. Yeah, but it's. it's it, it, I think I want to go deeper into hip hop right now. But I don't know where hip hop stands right now, to be honest. Uh, I don't think anyone does. I think like under, underground has become a pop now. Like, and what I used to be, what I used to listen to, obscure underground tracks would be like, "Oh, this is strange. I love it." Now it's commercial in a weird kind yeah. of way, and it's uh, and which just has its pluses. Um, I really got into the. Oh my god, I'm so old. But my my most recent <laughs> rapper I really got into is Tyler Tyler the Creator. I really yeah, like. Why not? When he came out, and that was like that's already a decade ago. <laughs> like it's already ten years ago. Dude, um, you can't call yourself old because I'm like when I met you, I was like, look at this young little boy. <laughs> uh, so but, I don't know if we're, I don't know if it's legal to hang out with him, but I want to. You know, that's what. It, <laughs> like, kind of oh man. Those are fun days, but like I would, um, I'm trying to find a rapper to work with. Um, would be, it would be interesting to 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 figure something out. Like, uh, yeah, let's you know, let's get in touch with KRS One. Let's bring him on. Let, let's get him to yeah. like, um, uh, well, well, like Scott and I couldn't come up with a crazy beat. We've been working a lot. We've been doing a lot of weird mm-hmm. Eastern European mix of uh, Mongolian chant and and uh, a turbo a pop turbo uh, stuff. A lot of plucky things, like really intense. Um, I'll send you some beats, uh, but it's uh, it's it's been hard. 
but the crazy the craziest thing like with my band we literally just crushed we went into a studio and recorded a whole album in two days wow how many tracks yeah. uh 12 i think dude that's crazy like is it like a lot of improvisation or whether they like a couple of them imp- yeah there's and- a few improvised tracks the rest of them just we just been rehearsing for the past two years non-stop we were like we, we tightened up like crazy went in the studio mm-hmm. f- phenomenal studio um really good studio the sound engineer you know what, what also helps is to have a good sound engineer that that's there like if you have some guy that doesn't give a crap you being there like it's just like this guy actually listened to what we were talking or we were discussing was making edits cleaning things up like he was so into it um phenomenal place and, and like yeah, the weekend I- recorded there too it was like sometimes you need a good studio like I, that's what i recommend for artists like have a good studio with a good engineer <laughs> it's like <laughs> listen i i'm sending the chat because there's a moderator in the chat <clears throat> um our track from 20 years ago oh yeah yeah hell yeah if anyone is listening like ashley or ryan i've sent a soundcloud track that is me and and eugene from like literally 22 years ago the year 2000 remember mr deja vu yeah the one where you got the head and you fucked the head by the side of the highway no, that's Crazy Johnny. Oh, that's Crazy Johnny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love we don't talk show. about that track anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't a biography, but the man what, what am I bringing ran over a woman and her head fell off and he had sex with the body and then <laughs> I will never the forget. Head. I will never forget. That's like, Mr. Deja Vu, and it says something again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> like Mr. I remember. Deja Vu, he won't stop. He won't stop it. And I lost my way. And then I lost, I lost my way my again. Way again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Yeah, I have it somewhere. Still. I have it too. The one that I wish I had was translation. Yeah, we need to. You know what? I have like a, a closet of old CDs. I should oh, just go through everything. You should, you should totally burn seven thousand days and and find it because it was like so. Eugene um, came over to Gonzo's studio. Remember Gonzo's mm-hmm. uh, studio near like um, Church Street and Queen? Yeah, you might not remember. You've been to. I totally remember that building. We go upstairs and. And yeah. the kid, what's his name? What was that? Uh, Gonzo. Gonzo, yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah, he? he was dope. Um, but you played a 16-bar violin solo. And actually, this is an interesting story because you, you played it, and then Gonzo made the beat. I didn't spit anything that day. I may have even brought in the violin. No, no, you played it live. And then, um, and then I went to the condo at Maitland, and I wrote a rhyme that followed the fluctuations of your yeah. of your playing and i'm not kidding at all um it is still in the top five of songs that i wrote and i totally credit to the inspiration i used to do it as a spoken word piece all the time should we, we by the way um we should start doing spoken word again yeah yeah we i'm should. thinking but, of but, I'm, but uh, you're you were like my muse for that one Oh, thank you. In a totally I, non-sexual, oh, I may be six percent sexual, but like you know, you were. We're you were all that European, yeah. one way or another. Like, <laughs> just like you know, <laughs> I'm wearing speedos. I can't stand up because you know people will get scared, and my harem oh, is here, and you have I to had understand that. Yeah, I had like leopard stuff. print speedos at one point that I never wore, and I put them on, and the elastic just burst, <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> just, <laughs> you're almost. Ever since I've known you, you've been in like really good shape. But there was this one beach fest. Oh, yeah. This is why I love you, oh, by yeah. the way. You're you you are so confident that your 
you know Boomhauer from King of the Hill? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you oh, had yeah. a total Boomhauer. And I was just like, there is literally no difference in how you're approaching playing when you had ripped abdomen muscles yeah. as when you had a Boomhauer. And I that wish is I never what... discovered beer. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> no, but, sorry to, to interrupt no, but it's like no 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 that interrupt was, that's what happened it's just like like i was like size 29 30 up to like age of 37 and then i started drinking beer and i got yeah. an electric scooter and then just went like <laughs> and now i'm still fighting against it i'm still working on it like there's still that that's belly funny. and it's not going away it's going to be there for like ever um yeah no it's, not. no it's not okay dude listen i i don't know i don't remember the last time i saw you but i'm pretty sure i was probably overweight um i don't remember when it was i got up to 205 pounds eugene oh wow you remember i'm five six <laughs> right that's, that's that's crazy so i was literally like um um who are those guys like i was like humpty dumpty basically you know what i mean like i i but it all went to the all went to the belly there's only one way to get rid of belly fat two ways two things you have to do at the same time just stop drinking yeah i know i know just stop drink and eat intermittently between one and six i went from 205 to 160 in like three months so not to eat after six o'clock or up to and if you eat after six o'clock i what i did is i ate uh bran flakes with almond milk and and frozen blueberries and i that doesn't sound the greatest to a lot of people, but I would smoke a lot of weed and then weed makes everything taste like fucking exactly. dopeness. So, so that's what I did. And, and you know me, I bet you, if someone asked you, um, name 10 qualities of James, pretty sure discipline wouldn't be in the top 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was a late bloomer with discipline, but, but um, now you're yeah, a father. You want... that's, that's brought you up to a level. That's, that's made you so much more focused. I, I, I assume. Yeah, I did. It, it made me focused. Um, also, because I live like in a forest, you know. Like, well, are you no... still in the beaches? No, dude. I live like um, uh, Eugene and I are really tight. Uh, five years ago, I moved away from Toronto. To... <laughs> oh, shit. I still thought you <laughs> were okay. living in the beaches. Like, where where are no, you? No, right I live now? in like... I live like in Killaloo, which is a small little town near Barry's Bay. And if you haven't heard of Barry's Bay. Um, everything is 45 minutes from Barry's Bay. So Pembroke is 45 minutes from Barry's okay. Bay. Um, Renfrew is 45 Bancroft is 45 minutes. I'm like 45 minutes away from the Eastern gates of, um, uh, Algonquin park, you know? So I'm like four hours away from Toronto. And what, so, what are you doing there? Kidnapping hitchhikers or what's the main job to do out there? Well, my, my lovely wife, um, uh, is from here. So nice. Um, it's not a coincidence that this is now where we live. This is beautiful, <laughs> though. Like I, like, I totally, everyone's going in that direction. Everyone's, I know, everyone's, everyone's, I know. <laughs> but a lot of people I know have been like, and it, honestly, it sounds very tempting. If I could drive. Do you drive still? No. You don't never, have, I, haven't, I haven't, no, I don't have a driver's license. Neither do I. Like, it's oh, finally. <laughs> yeah, it's like, finally. I get made fun of like you wouldn't even believe for not having a driver's license. Really? I'm just like, like, I have a G1, whatever the fuck that means. I, I, it means like, I, I, and by the way, I've had it for five years. It expires in August. Oh, no. So I got to hurry up and get my license. Yeah, because you'll have yeah. to. This is crazy. I love that. Yeah. Um, I should come and visit you. You totally should. 
Then it really sounds nice. like cloud talk. That will never happen. So, no, you know, no, no, but, no. But, I, like, but for the purpose of this podcast, you should totally come in. You, you have an open invite. You can come visit me. Anyway. Actually, Creemore. Do you know where Creemore is? Uh, no. Do you know where Collingwood is? Yeah. You should come visit. I'm, I'm like house sitting and finishing my book um, uh, for the last two weeks of June. In, in It's like an hour north of Toronto. Awesome. Should, oh, no, that would be really nice. You should come for a visit. I'm not allowed to throw parties there, but and I, I know would... that you're a one-man party, but you can totally come. No, 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 no. Just come in, like, um, when, uh, yeah, we can come up with interesting concepts. Talk about like oh, I... literature, dude. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, I'm talking about talk literature, about what's, your, what's your book you're reading at the, at the moment? What, is, what are you preoccupied with, literally? Literarily, <laughs> literarily. <laughs> oh, nice! But it's the it's the graphic novel version, so it's not like you know, it's like that kind of see, stuff. See that? Um, to be honest, dude, I don't read fiction. I read nonfiction because my work, I, like, I write politics, and I, you know, I, I, I write I, about politics. I find yeah. sometimes nonfiction to be more honest. Uh, I mean, fiction to be more honest than nonfiction. Um, in Maybe a sense, because people writers write what they know, and they stick yeah. it into like well, know, but they're also exploring books. ideas, like in a sense that like um, on such a I don't know like a, 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 for anything like let's say in in Soviet Russia you had so many writers that couldn't write directly about things, and it made them explore ideas on a deeper level by p- creating creative stories around certain different issues that they were dealing with. Um, yeah. And that's I found I find that is missing these days. Handsman Tale, Handsman, That book is very similar to what a Soviet Russia writer would write, with all the oppression. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, it's very interesting because it does really. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and it's and then like right now, like uh, like for the past twenty years, uh, as the same type of oppression on on culture has been applied in Russia as well. It's been like a lot of stuff like it's just. It's been worse, actually, than it was before. And a lot of people I might gonna, disagree with me. No, I mean, I, I think that the... Well, Putin's tightened the reins. Um, you know, the, the disinformation there is pretty crazy. Uh, do you have relatives in Russia? Like, are, are they, yeah. like, in the dark yeah. about what's going on? Do they well, know what's going on? Oh, no, every, like, everyone in, in the family is, is, is intelligent, though, exactly, because we've been talking about this for a while. Um, but the communication is very limited to how we communicate with them because everything is monitored. Um, yeah. it's, it's scary. It's like, it's gone back in time like crazy. Um, and it's the more we go deeper into it and all the, and all the, the, like the layers are coming off. We just see it as another Napoleon complex. That's just getting, that's coming out. It's all about conquering and, and creating an empire in an eight post empire age and post colonial era. And still some things are like, you know what I mean? It's just, there's so much excuses that have been created and it's so funny because it's like people that are, are like uh, a, a lot of people are naive to think that 
there is some logic to this illogical thing. Like, there's like, oh, but this is thing. There's like, no, no, no. This was like, it is planned. This person wanted to do this for so long, no matter what reasons. They could come up with anything, like from alien invasions coming. I don't know. Anything. He would have figured it out and just given, like, fed the masses a bunch of bullshit. In reality, it's a people that the, the I, I don't know. Wow, I'm getting really political right now. But, um, <laughs> no, do it. Do it. But it, it's, it, it's enacting degeneracy. And that degeneracy wants an empire. That degeneracy wants a war. And I, I don't care if people are going to say, like, how dare you call these people? They are degenerates. <laughs> like these, are, these are degenerates. They want to go into it. They, they, anybody who has this severe nationalism that they think that they have to go and conquer another country and think themselves above other people are complete um, trash to me. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a tough situation. We, we talk to some guy in the Ukraine all the time that, um, that tells us what's going on. And uh, he's got family in Russia. And some of the family there, like family members are like, oh, it's not that serious. Like they don't know what's happening or no. they, or they get told things from their government that like, like that aren't true. The, the propaganda that Russia puts out, the only other country I can think of that does it as well is the United States. You know what oh, I mean? Of like course. No, the yeah. propaganda, but, but people, smart people have learned how to read between the lines. Because you can use the propaganda to see what position the government stands at that moment. Because you see through the minds of the, of the people behind the propaganda. Because there's one voice that's, right. that's behind it, and then it throws this out, like throws the message out, and that message has to filter out into different uh, demographics. Anyways, it's like it's, it's intense. Um, but some people, I think the older generation, the old um, intelligentsia has figured it out. Because you have to, for your own survival, for the sake of your own survival, you have to know what the government is thinking, what the brain is right. doing it. So you have to pick up on little things within the pool of bullshit to see those. What, what, are the, what is this? And then so it's like, and that's an art form. It's really intense. And I was I actually, um, I've learned a lot about this recently. I was listening to this. This is one BBC podcast called From Our Correspondence. And it's a lot of uh, correspondents worldwide that, that submit, a, like, with their own voice, a, a narrative, of, a present-day narrative of what they're experiencing. And there's yeah. one from St. Petersburg, and this was, like, two years ago, or a year or so ago. And it's, it voiced, voiced exactly that, and it radiated, because he's talking to this older woman, and she's like, I li listen and I read the propaganda, because if I study it hard enough, I understand what position the government actually holds. Well, the brain, I'm like... Wow, I get hmm. this now. Like, um, yeah, that's really anyways, interesting. That's really cool, and it's uh, but it's also really scary that like there's a, like oh, I have friends that have worked for RT, and RT mm -hmm. has goes through cleansing constantly. Like, yeah, RT is the place that a North American journalist who can't get a job in North America go often go, and no matter who it is, even if it's a guy like Chris Hedges who's really talented he, he used to work for the new york times he was like an, a pulitzer prize winner and then he goes to yeah. russia and he goes to rt or whatever and um immediately people call him like a commie and like a, you know a russian puppet and all this stuff and it's like you know what you, you're gonna you, you can't you can't win everybody over i mean i guess for some people maybe it's not a smart move to go to rt but you know, try being a fucking journalist in North America these days. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. easy. You know, it, oh, no, no, no. It's no. not easy at all. 
No, um, you're, you're absolutely right. Sorry, I'm totally going off topic. No, I was, was going to ask you about um, about COVID because um, we talked a little bit off air before the show about. Uh, I have this weird theory that um, because of the lockdown, creative people um, all of a sudden realized I was one of them. Okay, I, I, where where I realized, holy fuck, you know, like, you know how art artists procrastinate. I was like. You know, we're on lockdown. We're going to be on lockdown. At the time, it seemed like we would be on lockdown for like six months, and it turned out to yeah. be like a year and a half or whatever. This is the time. This is it. You know, you're not going to get another opportunity to like literally take everything that your midlife crisis is telling you to do and just exactly. do it. Um, I I went on this Olympian rapper schedule. I'm a better rapper now than when I knew you. I'm quicker, I'm more polished. My cadence is better. Like I'll send you some stuff or whatever. And I'm not trying yes, to be braggadocious. I'm just no, 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 no. no I'm no, sort sorry. of like um, I'm, I'm, I'm spotlighting the virtuous habit of discipline in your art, and how rhyming for an hour a day and writing for an hour a day for like a solid two and a half years, where I do it at least five times a week. I'm better now at 45 than I was at 25. No, and um, I guess my question is, do you see a renaissance coming in the next year or two with all this great art that I think is being created, has been created since 2020? I think it's already starting. I think yeah. it's already starting, to be honest. Um, I see, like, oh, what I want is the renaissance will happen on its own. The whole idea is that the society has to be ready for it and willing to make it happen. Um, because it things has to like you, you'll have so many there's so many creative people out there um, but will they get this enough support out there will the people will the society appreciate it like will we have venues for people to perform will we have middle management to support those artists um, that's, that's what that's what I'm like worried about the most it's like I see so much talent out there and if it doesn't get the right support it might fade and crawl back into the cave um so yeah. do you know what i mean and it's like so there's, there's a lot of positivity but also kind of a bit of like i don't know fear that it might retract in a weird <laughs> kind of way yeah I, I feel like um yeah you're probably right like there but there's so many people that were locked in for so long like you're either gonna go mad or you're gonna paint something <laughs> oh no of course you know I mean? like, but i mean yeah. but it's it's like we need something now like we we do need um very open festivals we need uh huge things less uh curated and more free um mm. we need less uh people who have some sort of agendas by creating like we just need open format create like exposure in this sense we need more public television <laughs> in the sense i mean public yeah. exposure in sense. um and it's uh and it's what's right about what you said is that COVID might have not made amazing performers, but it has definitely contributed towards really thoughtful compositions and thoughtful works of art and everything. Um, I personally think that it was like the, I, I it sounds very selfish, but it was one of the best things that happened to me in a while. I say the same thing. I, I, I swear to God, I, I've said it on Dean Blundell's podcast about how, um, about how like I joke, but like, I say to myself, you know, if someone came up to me, because what, six million people have died of COVID? Yeah. And, um, but my career has done really well. That if someone came up to me and said, if you press that red button, those six million people, they get to go back to their families. Oh, but you get to go back to where you were before the pandemic started. I'd just be like, no, you can take that button. I'm not going to see. You know what I mean? But, 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 but the point I'm just trying to make is that, it, you know, but that's like one of those Japanese proverb things, right? Like a crisis yeah. came and so we found the opportunity. 
But you know also I mean? like we we um, the dark thing of it is that a lot of us have dialed uh, dealt 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 sorry there we go dealt with no, with with loss um yeah. that is also some sort of weird inspiration but it's also inspiration um it's like it's very gothic in a sense but we have experienced loss we've we've lost friends that are close we lost family members and that's also inspiration um it doesn't we've also it, lost friends who are still living that have a political difference of opinion exactly well you know what yeah. the weirdest thing about the whole political opinion is that this it made me this whole p pandemic made me see like humanity as this constant spectrum of opinion there's constant there's always going to be one and then like and then the scary thing is that um there's there's so much like schizophrenia on like <laughs> like in in thought yeah. in, in 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 anyways like people are really dove into things really deeply extremely deeply and things got paranoid and like and and this whole image of pandemic is already scary to so many people that they can't couldn't even handle it they did over those things it's like it's unfortunate but like but then i i when it started i was starting getting very irritated with people and i'm like and it was becoming more and more left-wing as this, as this thing was progressing um mm. and then i'm just realizing i'm like you know what i can't i can't be angry anymore like i don't care i'm like i'm like if you like before i used to get so feisty and like fight all those things and i'm just like you know what talk to me <laughs> what's your i'm literally gonna i'm what's gonna listen matter? yeah what's the matter <laughs> tell me like i might not agree but like and it still goes on like how many like uh, places that i go to in ontario that like in the first like sentence hunter biden would be brought up i'm like we're not we're not even talking and i'm like people just yeah. throw these things in your face and you're like i don't give a shit <laughs> like i'm like this is not i know but so but for a lot of people that has become all that has become their whole persona is is their political opinion like and, and that's it yeah and and some of the shit is so like like you don't even know what to do with it like yeah. the QAnon, that QAnon culture really kind of permeated here you know it's like my guilty it, pleasure because I, I read on that like i spend at least every time i'm, I'm in the toilet i read my QAnon stories <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, place, it's a suitable place to read it. Yeah, like it I, yeah. I, I go on, I go on, uh, on, um, uh, on Reddit, the, uh, the, the, the Q Shulti, Q Shulti's and, and Q and on yeah. watch thing. I don't, uh, it's another one and it's got like, uh, and I go in depth of it because it's like, we get, we get to see new cults being born. We get to see these new things and it's like, and now they're like so like it's fascinating to me like i love this stuff like i'm like it's always going to be there in humanity but it's it's the most fascinating thing um and and it's a lot closer to home than you think it is i'm sure like you've come <laughs> yeah. you explain that before i attack you <laughs> uh well just like i've been noticing it like um especially in toronto i i saw like a lot of my friends follow the beliefs and and fall into things and i'm like and i'm just like okay and i'm like and i still love them i still won't like oh that's fine yeah loving them is fine because they need to be loved in order to break out of whatever there is because it's literally fueled by hatred it, it, it's, oh, yeah. it's fueled of often by hatred of themselves um it, it is fueled by things like not being informed it's fueled by emotion um I, listen i was on uh when i was on dean blundell's podcast during the pandemic i was like and, and I'm not saying this to like make myself look good or whatever, but 
they'll tell you like at the time that the pandemic started to like mid 2021 i was like you can't bully these people if yeah. you bully these people that don't believe that that believe that bill gates created the vaccine at the behest of george soros so they could inject you with microchips and then you could like get a cell phone signal just by going like this to your hair yeah like or whatever the fuck it was you can't bully them because if you bully yeah. them they'll double down and you know where i learned that from the um previous anti-vax culture that existed before the pandemic did um where there were people that that didn't want to vaccinate their children because they thought it would the mercury inside the vaccine would give their kids autism yeah and um i remember when that was happening i i, I did a deep dive on it to see what it was all about yeah those people were literally motivated by the idea that they were going to save their children from becoming autistic yeah do you have any idea how powerful that motivation probably no, is? Of course, of course. Now, I have a lot do you bully? Do you bully them? That do you bully them, or do you try to like, even if it's painstakingly exhausting, you try to educate them, you try to help them, you know, like, but, or but you just let them not get vaccinated and say, you know what, don't roll the dice. Then, if it's going to make you feel better, whatever. I, you I know, think like, to be honest, humanism is being a humanist. I think is the most important thing. Hmm. I mean, like, and and like, might not agree with something with people but they're still your surrounding they're still your friends they're still your like your society in a sense is always going to be so divided up there's always going to be yeah. people there's always going to be extremes of every like and and they will express it like in the first five minutes of meeting someone they'll tell you exactly what they think about everything oh, and that's yeah. become thing and like and it's annoying sometimes and at before the beginning of pandemic i'm like i was really like pushing people away and then I'm like, you know what? I'll tolerate the first five minutes of it, and and like, but I'm I'm not gonna be. And then like, one, some of my best friends have become following following these things, and I'm still actually, to be honest, most of my really close friends follow certain beliefs that I don't agree with, in particularly. But yeah, artists are weird like that, aren't they? You know? Oh no, totally. Um, yeah. But then like, I don't know. It's just like humanity is so complicated. I, but it's I. You know what? I I, I will find refuge in, in Greek myths. I'll find refuge oh. in literature. I'll find refuge in things that, that really like. You have to start reading fiction again. I think there's a lot of like interesting, um, going to sci-fi. There's amazing like going to Kurt Vonnegut or, or um, uh, like anything Ursula Le Guin for example. She's an incredible like sci-fi, but also, uh, kind of like a sociologist in a sense because she will create show you a society like she's like she'll exercise an idea that would be like, let's take our society, but change little things about it and see how it would survive. Yeah. Like, like work. She was one of the first people that make ginger liquid. Like, like I mean, like all this phenomenal work. just passed away recently, San Francisco, Philip K. Dick contemporary. Um, oh, phenomenal. So, yeah. So, yeah, what, what, you know, dispossessed. It's... That's a book. Get dispossessed. Okay. Or I'll, so I'll read it for you. I'll read it for you. Um, it'll be literally the first fiction like novel that I've read. And I don't fucking even know. Like I, I read the Da Vinci code in like four hours once. And I was like, that was awesome. And then I just never bothered to go back. But, like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a news junkie and stuff. And, and I, and my creative outlet is like, is still writing songs and poetry and shit like that. You know? Um, yeah. So it's one of those, uh, I don't know. You know what? I don't, I don't, I don't have time. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I, I, I get up at 5, 5.30 and I work until the kids get up and then I make breakfast and then I work when they go to school 
and then I do the podcast or prep for it and then I do the podcast and then the kids, you know, I spend time with them again and then everyone's in bed and then I work and I barely have time to like, you know, smoke weed, masturbate and go to bed. Like, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a tough life. Has your weed become time, any weaker you know? too? Like you're not probably smoking stuff that's CHC like way up there. Like I do edibles now mostly because nice. I don't like smoking it you know I, I, it just makes me cough like i i did an like opening crazy. for um a dispensary one of the uh they didn't have a shop before but called ghost drums ghost wait drums. wait dope yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> My dad joke. So, so this thing is called, is, is called um um uh, ghost drops i think and they were like one of the legit companies i went legit early there's it's the guys who were um uh a king of the dot connected remember the the battle rap oh so yeah yeah i'm one i'm one and owing king of the dot it's like it's like i, I decided that i was gonna go do a king of the dot battle so i i got organic and i'm like just let me do it and he's like all right he had no idea and i destroyed this kid his name was desired effect so I literally <laughs> made like bars and bars about how stupid his name is right and then uh, <laughs> but i but then I, but i won i you know what's funny it was uh seven years ago it was seven years ago and even back then, I had to own the fact that I was old. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's like, oh yeah. man, because I my but but I but he almost cried because I was like, um, you know, if you're gonna tell jokes in a battle, um, do something that you can face. Do something. Oh no no, I'm old and I can face it because I've been doing this shit since you were nothing but a glint in the wow. eyes of your mother's rapist. Wow. Yeah. And the crowd was like, oh my God, that old fucker just took that little boy to town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. And, uh, and, but then looking back on it now, I would get canceled. Like, yeah, I didn't no, want to tell sure. people where it is because I was like, I said some really awful but, things. I mean, to in battle culture, man. you can still do that. Like, cause there's still like a bit of like, which is kind of like, um, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's important to let off steam because lyrically. It's like, and yeah. I think, I think they can do that in a as long as like, yeah. Um, um, if you're going to tell jokes in a battle, you better come hard or don't even bother. For example, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend so goddamn deep that I could get filleted by your unborn daughter. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, even for me, I was just like, you know, it's a little, it's a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too far. You know what I mean? Oh my but God, that's the culture. There. So for anyone listening to this, this is not me co-signing what I just said, but battle culture is a really interesting thing. It's like a comedy roast, basically. You should do a whole episode about it. Like, talk about, like, the importance of the battle <laughs> culture. You know what I should do? I should bring guests on, and I should bring guests on right at the end. I should be like, okay, you ready? And it'd be <laughs> yeah. like... Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll just do one line that's biting like that and just make them take it and just make it like a tradition. If you come on James's show, that's a great you know, idea. I uh, like this. I'll, my show will not last much longer if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Well, I think I think that your your biggest calling card was in the very beginning, sorry, is when you got Noam Chomsky on it. Um Yeah. I I think that um, was like the, no beginning you know, for me. Say what you will about senile people. But they'll agree to go on a guy's first episode ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was, it's true, but I mean, it was the best you can possibly have. Like, And I mean, he's also a news junkie, too. Like, the guy, like, like I remember oh, yeah. watching a documentary. He's not senile, about... by the way. He's not senile like, at all. He's still no, like, it's... the smartest man on the planet, basically. You know what? To be, yeah. like, to be honest, like, a lot of old people I know are so much brighter than uh, mentally. Not physically. Physically is a different thing. They yeah. become thinkers because they're no longer as... What you call it, mobiles? They were before. 
Anyways, yeah, this is really um, nice. Are you, you're looking at the clock. Do you need to go? Oh, am I looking at the clock? No. I don't know. Where's I thought you were. Or your girlfriend. Is she signaling you? What's going on there? No, no, no. There's just me here. I don't okay. even know where the clock is on this thing. Oh, you it's got right like five here. more minutes? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I wanted to ask you about... Um, I, I wanted to talk about your mom a little bit because your mom... Sorry. It's just, <laughs> I'm giving away from battle There's like rapping. a battle going on. Your mom. your mom is one of the loveliest women I've ever met in my life. And, um, and I'm just wondering, because I know your dad is sort of like a... He he always seemed like this. When you talked about him, he always seemed like this really kind of gruff, kind of like I'm the smartest man in the world kind of kind of vibe. I don't know that to be true, but your mom, who I met, I feel like you got a lot of your artistic side from her. Um, oh yeah, hundred like percent. She was, yeah, she was the executive director of the National Ballet, and well, no, no, she a bunch was, of like she was she was part of the school. Do? School. Then oh, okay. then she became the um, the ballet mistress of the Royal Danish. In Denmark, um, and then now she's she's a professor. In I North just thought Florida. of a pastry when you said that. So oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, the pastries <laughs> are actually good. You know what? It's totally. Yeah. But and then then she went off to North Carolina and she was a professor at University of North Carolina. Um, and then she did that for a long time, and then she just re- is recently coming back to Canada in July. Okay, because because oh, you know she's what? out. She's out now. Yeah, is she? Uh, and and are you guys do you guys live in well, the same she just released a book like... by the way she she's released oh, it what's the book, book? um you know what i should i should oh, oh here like is uh... her name eva draw is that her yeah. name yeah yeah so if you look up eva draw Let's see if we can find the book here uh, so it's an audio book note? as well yes that's it the world of ballet and beyond on a personal note? yep yep okay. yep okay and then so uh, i'm going to okay there it is is that her on the cover? Yeah. Wow, your mom was a looker. I mean that respectfully. I really do. Oh yeah, no, she's a. Like, I ruined yeah. her modeling career. <laughs> because she, got she lets me know about that occasionally. <laughs> like, that that is your dad's fault, and we all know that. That's not your, that's yeah. not your fault. <laughs> but no, no, she's um uh, she's kicking butt right now. Really kicking butt right now. So, so the that's book awesome is, when you can be proud of your mom. You know, like oh, that's, totally. That's one of those things. And the, the book is pretty, pretty great. Very like, it covers um a, a lot of understanding. Yeah, that's that's it right there. Nice. Look at how beautiful his mom is, everybody. How old is she in that photo? I have no idea. Like maybe in thirty. Your mom's like a black woman in a sense because she could be like eighty, and you'll be like, she. I don't know, like forty one. <laughs> yeah, forty one. No, she's she's um well she's she's moving back here in July. So she's going to take a year off and um, just uh, she's uh, she works really hard. She works too much. She's a very hardworking yeah. person, always hardworking. Um, like when and I think she needs a break. She's got a dog. She's got a so she just hangs out with her dog. Are your parents together? I don't know. Oh, no, no. It's separated for a while, but but okay. still close. Um, so, yeah, so she's going to come back here for a bit um, until she can't deal with me anymore and then probably find another place to move. Um, so that's like, that's going to be the plan. Um, <laughs> you're not, you're not difficult. I've never imagined you to be. Difficult. No, I'm not. I'm not you difficult. are, you are a consummate artist though. Like you, you remember when you lived in that weird place at, um, what was it? Lansdowne and Bloor ish. No, in that and Bloor. sort of, Ossington Bloor in that like basement thing where mannequins were hanging from ceilings. I'm, and I'm shit. still like, there. I, 
Are you still there? Yeah, just just renovated it. Like, dude, I'm not saying the place was whack. I'm saying it was fucked up to be in. I was just oh like, no, totally what did you call like it? No. the happy slappy acid circus or something. Yeah, like, no, because I had a, I had an apartment at the same time. But though that place was like my my playhouse for a while. Um, yeah, I bet it was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone. But you did a, a circus playhouse. there or something like some sort of circus. It was called totally. There was yeah, we had. The name. Oh, no, we had. It's called cultural debauchery. Ah, that's right. And then, yes. um, and speaking then, so my that, language, by the way. Yeah, yeah, like, and that ran for a while un, until it it started consuming a lot of my time. Um, so, but it was a it was a great yeah. time. It was like it got um, a little culty. Oh, did it? Good old days. Yeah, good old days. Oh, you had like I remember now. You had a like a bunch bunch of like porcelain Russian dolls that were like models that would like like there was like four of them that followed you everywhere you went. Do you remember that? Yeah, those, yeah, those, the, those, the interesting old days. It was like, the whole long ago. That was like, um, yeah. no, 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 never got to that point. Um, oh, well, I can't admit anything on online, but, but oh, like, right, your girlfriend's watching, so we won't talk about the <laughs> no, glorious kidding. days. Of, <laughs> you know, all that no, stuff. Those, those no, but, a lot but, they, of, but you know what was neat about them is that I remember them. They were all like models or actresses or whatever. They all had porcelain skin and were really attractive. But all of them seemed to have IQs of like 140. They were all yep. super intelligent women. And that yeah. was the neat thing about hanging out with you is that all the pretty women there you could have a conversation with. Like, Absolutely. Because I don't really find dumb women attractive. Like, you know, I don't find dumb people fun to be around. You know, no, no, men, you can't. Like that, but, you know. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, yeah. time, it's like it's, it hurts a little bit. Like yeah. to be hanging like, I, I, oh, my God. I was like, I was uh, one time in Ottawa having a conversation with with this girl like i was a little drunk and i think like and it was, it was having this is like a long time ago like a decade ago and the girl's like i love history i love history so the dinosaurs were there and then the big bang happened and all the dinosaurs died and i'm just like <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and then she's like you know what she told me after i totally remember this girl. she's like i want to be a hairstylist but i don't like there's too many gay people in, in that world. And I don't know, like, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I can't do this. Like, I'm just like, I can't talk to this person. First of all, is she aware? Is she aware <laughs> that like, are Valley girls aware that they sound exactly like gay men? Like yes. those types, not, not all gay men. I'm not those particular types of gay men. Like the, oh my God, really? I don't know. Like I have no problem. It's not homophobic to say that I can't be around that type of gay men. Like there's a gay man that lives in Barry's Bay, probably the only gay man that lives in Barry's Bay. And when he says hi, he's like, hey, James, how's it going? And I'm just like, there you go. That's it right there. Because I don't like, you know, I don't remember like that inflection and shit. And, um, and I remember I dated when I was 32, I dated, I went out for one date. Actually, she was Russian and she was like 20. And I felt like I was committing a crime when we slept. We slept together once. And I felt like I was I, like, this is weird. And then I realized that even though the tight skin and all that shit, she was so intellectually stunted that it made me not attracted to the aesthetics. Yeah. So I got, I'm telling you, like an intellectual conversation with a woman with a little bit of sag in her boobs, you start to appreciate the sag as being better than the tight boobs. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, no, it's, it's well, I love your analogy there. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm, I'm being serious. I don't care how. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, it's true. It's true. No, but it, it it is difficult. And and to be honest, it's like I don't have patience for people that I can't have a deep conversation with any time. That's why, like, That's I right. hated being a night nightclub business at the very beginning. 
because I'm like, and then I met a few people through the time, still my friends through their business who are kind of, you kind of like in that environment, you kind of gravitate towards each other. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's a point you're like, you know what? Like I can't be here, but I'm here working. And it'll be like somebody, and then you're having a deep conversation and those people stay your friends. When I ended up, I entered the club scene as a kid. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be this bottle popping friggin' like dude. And then I'm like, <laughs> friggin' like 20 years go by, I'm still the same nerd that like I said. I'm like, I'm never going to be that. I remember like you one, have to busk for like 12 days to just order a drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, like I'd like some Grey Goose, please. Uh, sorry, we're going to require another 17 hours of busking for you. To buy <laughs> yeah, that exactly. It's so funny. Like early club days, like I felt so insecure about not having a drink in my head. Dude, but, I felt that way until like five years ago. Like, it's crazy. Like you needed always to have a drink in your hand. It was just like because you felt people are watching. They're like behind you. Anyways, I had to be inebriated every single time I went out. Yeah, and 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 I remember when you lived when some someone lived on Dufferin near Dufferin in college, and we I lived, went upstairs yeah. to that. That was, was that? my old apartment. Yeah, and we hung out with that couple that lived downstairs, I think, and then uh, and then uh, Wendy and a couple other people that night or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I don't know if you knew this, but I was like homeless at that time. I remember. I, like, I remember. Liter- you slept I, on I my literally couch the guy for, like, in the couch. Week. Yeah, yeah. No, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. And then we didn't. And you know what's so funny is that I know, and and I totally am fine with it now. But like, I know that like I knew the life cycle of the couch stay. I knew that there, and there was like you. Would, I'd wake up and I tried my best to like make breakfast. I didn't have anything to clean up because I literally didn't have shit. But I would try to. And then as I would be able to read people so well that I'd be like there's only about 36 hours left in this man before he starts getting really pissed off. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so, so um, yeah, it, it was weird. Uh, you know, I'm just so happy. I'm not that guy anymore. That seems like lifetimes ago, you know, but, like, but it's necessarily like, like you live through that experience. That was another phase. It's the thing like going back to Jesus. <laughs> All right, Eugene, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's go back to Jesus, my old guard. Let's go to my... I'm so kidding. Oh man, but this is fun. Um, let's do. Um, yeah, we should do this again. Um, mm-hmm. Let's try to dig in our bit. crates and see if we can find like some of the shit that we did. If you could find translation, I would just be the happiest man ever. I want to look through all my shit. I think so. you know why I'd be I... happy because I would do it over again because the wrapping was sloppy and rushed. If you really want to know the truth, you know. I think I I too have something. I will find it. I I promise. Okay. I'm going to look at all my stuff. I think I actually have it. Oh, I actually have it. I think I do have it. Okay. Well, I think 100%. Um, thinking live on a podcast doesn't really make for a compelling watch. So stop. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally um, what are you doing? What's happening? Where, where are you going? What gigs are coming um, I'm up? Going uh, north, the album, when's the north, album out? All that shit. North Country Fair this weekend in Alberta. Mm-hmm. A cup coming okay. weekend, next weekend. Um, nice. The following week, uh, Last Pedestrian Sunday in Kensington. Um, also, uh, BIA, oh my God, sorry, uh, Liberty Village BIA performance on the 23rd. Okay. What's a BIA? Beach, uh, a Business Improvement Association, I think. Oh, it sounds artsy. Okay. So it's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> uh, like a street fest. Yeah. And then, and then going over to, um, what are we doing after that? And then Beaches Jazz, and there's so many gigs. I'm going to have it yeah. all on my website, drdraw.ca. And the new album is freaking amazing. It's going to have it ready for beaches. You know what's so funny about you? 
the even though you have changed a lot since I met that 17 year old kid you haven't changed at all you're just fucking the most like hardest working man <laughs> ever like you just don't stop oh, well, do you ever get like tennis elbow or anything well, if no, I masturbate I, more than twice in a weekend I can't do shit with my arm like my, for the next five years my shoulder is shot my shoulder hurts so much you have no idea like your rotator cuff must be fucked Oh man, like I and it's like I need to learn how to take time off. It's hard though. It's hard. I mean, yeah. you know what I've been like I I realized how in demand and everything I'm so the prices of Dr. Draw for performances have gone up. And oh. and so it's I think Ew. it's important. Well, no, but just say because it's like life is getting more expensive. And then so <laughs> post COVID So guest guest list is now twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. and then but it's also like uh yeah, I just can't I can't waste more like I can't yeah, time's become a lot more precious, especially for yeah. gigs and everything. Um Okay. Um well you awesome. can come back whenever you want, dude. I love you. I miss you. <laughs> no, no, I think that you're one of the most talented friends I've ever had. I hope everyone enjoyed uh listen let's guys go to YouTube, go do a deep dive, type in Doctor Draw. Um inevitably anime will come up just because uh, anime comes up no matter what you're looking for nowadays <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm but I'm, I'm excited to find the track man let's bring it back let's bring that track okay back. and i'll send you some new shit so you can be like oh he totally yeah. sucked before he's a lot better now like you'll be you're, you're you'll always, be pleased we're always a work pleased. in progress that's what we are we're just yeah we're, i just didn't i was a, just an arrested development thing with me with hip-hop i just didn't like I didn't know how to sound more polished. I didn't know how to chop syllables properly. I I forgot that you know every syllable should have a cadence that projects and not just the end of the sentences. Like interesting, you know. But yeah, I have um, no idea what the, any of that meant. That you just said, like, <laughs> you know what? Like, Neither do I. <laughs> just words. Try to throw. Oh, them. Jay, no. it's been an absolute pressure, pressure, pressure. pressure. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I really do. I miss you, oh, and, uh, too, and, and I thank you for coming love on, guys. Love. Everybody, check him out. Um, I'm gonna call you after the podcast just to say thanks. Okay. Okay. All right. No, this me. is Doctor Draw, everybody. Thank you very much Ooh. for coming out. He's dope, guys. I know that. Um, yeah, you got the people that were here at the beginning for the video. Maybe I should uh, end with the videos for the people that didn't uh, didn't see it. So I think I'm going to do that. Um, tomorrow we have a awesome Canadian comedian named Simon Rakoff. Wednesday we're going to do a deep dive into the Klondike Papers and talk about some of the stories that we've broken at Black Bull Media and at the Dean Blundell Show on DeanBlundell.com. And then either Thursday or Friday, we still haven't figured out, Adam Scorgi is going to be here, and we're going to do a documentary screening of his film, Culture High, uh, which was one of the things that had on in helping the liberal government pass legalization of marijuana. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to try to lead you out with that video. And if I can remember where it is, there it is. And thank you very much. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.